Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for the lust. Blindly passing, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Father, Father God, we just praise you and we thank you for everything. We thank you for the water that we drink. We thank you for the food that we've eaten today and hopefully the food that we'll eat tomorrow. We thank you for the days that we're in right now and how exciting it is that we're very, very close to, well, what what appears to be very close to our departure, although the, you know, the actual amount of time is unknown and will remain unknown, and we understand that. But, Father, we just praise you, and we thank you for everything, all the many miracles that we have in our lives, and we pray that you will open our eyes in a spiritual way that we're able to even see more many miracles in our walk because they are highly encouraging to each of us because we want to know that we are walking in concert in perfect harmony with your will as best as we can and we want and we pray in Jesus name for a course correction whenever it is necessary Father we pray for all of our brothers and sisters out there that are going through difficult times and struggles particularly within their families however many of them are probably going through almost certainly are going through problems with their jobs Father we know that your scripture warns us and, and, and admonishes us that we will go through such trials and tribulations, uh, and, and indeed, uh, even more so uh, during the very end of the end of times, which is where we are uh, today. And we, um, and Father, we just, we just um, are so excited about how this all tells a story, and that story is that we're leaving real, real soon. And, um, and really, you know, another part of that story, which is so very difficult for us in the flesh to be able to get our arms around is the insignificance of the things that we're going through, no matter how traumatic they are, no matter how difficult they are, no matter how much they make us cry, no matter how much we just can't take it anymore. Father, we just praise you and thank you for always being there for us, for having given many of us, if not the vast majority of us, a uh, history of things that we can look back upon in our lives to, to remember continuously that you have always been there for us and that the outcome of the most catastrophic events that have occurred in our lives has ultimately brought us 
to a new and better place. Help us to remember the days that we were in maybe 20 or 30 years ago where we were poor as church mice and didn't barely have enough money to, to even keep the lights on, yet we, were, uh, we remember those days as being some of the happiest days we've had in our entire lives. And, and what a, what a uh, uh, perplexing um, uh, you know, riddle that is for each of us to, to recognize that it is in the times uh, when we are at the least financially prosperous oftentimes uh, that, and, and uh, also times when we are going through struggles that um, when we look back on those days, we recognize that those were some of the better days that we did have in our lives. And, I, and none of us can understand these things. It is a riddle, uh, and we just praise you for it. But we thank you for helping us to, re- to recollect, to remember these things. We thank you for helping us to realize all of the things that we have to be grateful for. I thank you, Father God, that, 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 you, that you hear us when we pray. We pray in Jesus' name that you will encircle, encapsulate all of our prayers and all of our praise, all of our gratitude, every moment that we just say, Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let it be wrapped in your holy fire. Let no demons of darkness in the spiritual realm even attempt to come near it. May they be burned by a continuous ray of holy fire, sticking to them and making them scream and horrific agony in the spiritual realm if they even set their wills against us or our loved ones. Completely encapsulate, we pray, Father God, in Jesus' name, all of our prayer, all of our praise, and all of the time that we spend with you, whether it's in thought or on our knees. And we just give you all the praise and glory, Father, because these are indeed very difficult days, and we need to make that 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 um, that change, that shift, where uh, we're not looking at the awful things and, and you know that, that are just absolutely closing in on all of us, uh, but instead we're looking at the eternal and we're looking at the glory that awaits each and every one of us and is ever increasingly, uh, uh, you know, uh, closing in and that glory closes in and that gets exciting. And Father, we just see these things happening across the world and we give you all the praise and honor. And we ask you, Father, for the next uh, several days, uh, you know, uh, you know, throughout the next week, Father, for those of us who have to work in the workplace, which has, you know, for for many of us, has become nearly intolerable. Uh, Father, we just praise you for our jobs. We thank you for our jobs, and we ask you for your anointing, Father. We ask you for, uh, you know, the uh, Arianic blessings upon each of us, Father, uh, that, that you will bless us and that you will lift your countenance upon us, that you will just uh, anoint our weeks, Father. Uh, make it be a Proverbs 21-1 week. The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord like the rivers of water. You turn it wherever you wish. We pray for uh, angels to be constantly ferreting out any attempts to come against us. We tear up all demonic contracts. We tear up all demonic agreements, and we rebuke the devil, the demons of darkness, and they may not touch us in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the supernatural peace that passes all understanding to be on our hearts and minds, again, absolutely imbued within the very presence of our spirit and the power of Christ within us, that we will be able to, to not only go through this next week, but be blessed by this next week, because we see the end, and the end is glorious, because the end for us is the beginning. In Jesus' name we pray, and we thank you, Father God. Hallelujah, and amen.
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, um, I, I got my little happiness notes out here because I know a lot of people are getting pummeled. And, I, 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 and I'm right there with you um, uh, now. I, and I never, never, ever assume through my testimony that I have arrived. Never, ever assume that because when I preach I, or, you know, or, or I say things on the radio show or whatever it is, it's to myself. Okay, so a lot of people. I'm just sitting in a, you know, in the Golden JIB Studios here. Uh, you know, it's 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 lit up. It looks kind of cool. It's a little bit of a NASA thing going. A little Cape Canaveral deal going on with the uh, technology around me. Uh, but um, but that's because I'm a geek. Okay, so I I will always be a geek. I've been a geek even when I was like you know eight nine years old. Um, I discovered shortwave radio and got myself something. I don't even remember where I got it from, but I, like a flea market or something. And when I discovered, I was like climbing around on my on the roof of the house and putting up all kinds of insane wires. And I say insane because really there was no rhyme reason mathematics behind how I was wiring things. I was just throwing all kinds of insane. It was nuts. It was absolute wiring anarchy. But my dad was pretty cool about it and let me go ahead and turn the the roof of the house in it, you know, like some sort of a uh, alien monitoring station, you know. But anyway, I, so I've been geeking out since I was a little kid, even even after the uh, 1972 Agnes flood when everybody was putting their uh, televisions out uh, along the road for the people to come and pick up because it got flooded. I, I, I was going and collecting the TVs and dragging them back to my house and then clipping all those little colorful uh, components out of them, those resistors. But I didn't even really know what they were called at the time. That's what kind of a geek I am. But anyway, all that aside... I know, um, you know, I know that uh, one of the things I've noticed about my walk is it seems like I have to go through something first. And then I see this wagon train of listeners of the program and people that I know, praise God, that are starting to go through the same or similar things that I was going through. Now, I don't think that we ever arrive. Okay, so and and I I have examples in my life of people who do a really good job of handling trauma 
repetitive trauma on a regular basis. You know, that something really horrible happens to them on, uh, you know, the first of November, then three weeks goes by and another horrible thing happens to them. And then a couple of months go by and another really horrible. I'm talking about, you know, losses of spouses, um, people dying. You know, a lot of this stuff happened in my own family. And, and of course, you know, we all got our own problems, right? So I, um, anyway, so I'm going to just go ahead and share with you because, it, it, you know, it, it helps me and maybe if it helps even a teeny, weeny, 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 weeny little bit, anybody out there who's, you know, dealing with, you know, because it's, it's, it's like, it really is like riding a roller coaster. It, it really is. You know, there's that, it, it, it's, um, it's good, it's bad. It's good, it's really, 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 really bad. And then it's okay, it's okay. Things are okay for a little while, a little while, and you're like praying and hoping and please Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And, you, and you're thinking, man, and just about the time that you think everything is, oh, maybe it's starting to calm down a little bit. Maybe, maybe I'm getting a little bit of rest. And then, bam, the next thing happens. And, oh, man, and there is never, it just seems like there's never respite. Not true respite. And I, and I kind of think God wants it to be that way. And I, I, I know that sounds like he's really mean in, in the sense that he would allow that or want that in our lives, that, you know, trials and tribulations. But really, um, it keeps us on our knees. It really does. It keeps us uh, where we need to be. Um, you know, and uh, so if, if things were going green and everything was honky dory, you know, the, the likelihood, uh, that we might, um, not be as intimate with our heavenly father and dependent upon him is very high. Uh, so, uh, you know, and that's scriptural. And I think it's, uh, scripturally a part of each of our walks as we go through this ebb and tide of, uh, you know, really awful traumatic things, you know, and, and, and it, and it can come at you from so many different directions. I mean, really, when you think about it, I mean, you know, like, uh, and every one of us has our own collection. Some of us are dealing with health issues. Some of us are dealing with family issues that are just absolutely unbelievably horrible and traumatic. Some of us are going through work issues that are Yes, unbelievably horrible and dramatic. Some of us are going through all kinds of different things. I mean, the losses of dwelling places, having no place to live, uh, not being able to stay in our apartments because they jacked the price up too high and it's outside of our budget now and we don't know where we're going to go. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening to people. I mean, family, I mean, I'm talking about cutting your throat kind of stuff. I mean, you know, really, really bad things. Now, I'm not going to sit here and dwell on those and just, you know, give you like this huge, you know, bullet pointed list of about 30 or 40 people that I'm aware of that are going through some really horrible things, uh, you know, but they are. Okay. And, and many of them have been for quite some time. And uh, anyway, so I don't want anyone to feel, you know, like you're alone because you're not. We're all going through crummy stuff. I mean, really bad, super crummy stuff. Um, and um, anyway, and, you know, it, I don't know, but anyway, I'm going to share some of these things. I call I call this little note. Uh, this is just a little notepad thing I wrote where I, I call it happiness notes. All right. So, and the first section is just subtitled foundations. Number one, live in day tight compartments. Forget about the past and forget about the future. Okay. Live in. So what what I'm basically doing is giving you some cliff notes. From a Dale Carnegie book, um, you know, how, how to Stop Worrying and Start Living. It's a good book. All right. See, and, and some other stuff that I collected as well. So, again, number one, live in daytight compartments. 
Okay, and you can say, well, hey, that sounds like that song, you know, uh, you know, turn turn your eyes upon Jesus and all that kind of thing, or I'm sorry, one day at a time, sweet Jesus and all that. But um, it's it, it's really true. As a matter of fact, one person that I was um, being befriending and talking to and all that kind of stuff was going through some really really super duper hard times, you know, ultra hard times. And um and she would say to me, "No, for me it's one hour at a time." And you know what? I related to that. Um I was just talking to somebody uh prior to the show starting and you know, there uh you know, I have um certain medications that are being used for my blood pressure that have a side effect of um they they calm you down and um uh you, you know, if I forget, you know, like I'm so busy at work or whatever and I forget to take my noon, you know, meds for my BP, um, uh, you know, I, I don't, I may not even remember. I just don't even plumb. I plumb just do not remember that I was supposed to take them at 12 or around 12 because I was just way too busy with, with insanity at work. And, and, um, and then around two hours, 2.5, three hours later, uh, it, I just, uh, I'll get up from my desk. I'll walk down the hall and I'll just start bursting. I'll burst into tears. I mean, I will literally tears will just like alligator tears just pouring down my face. And I don't even know half the time why I'm even crying. And then I have to really, Really watch my P's and Q's because if I allow myself to start thinking about things, that big 30 point bullet pointed list of ugly that could completely, you know, th- literally make me homeless. And I'm walking through the street aimless and with no place to go, no, no one to turn to, you know, and, um, uh, you know, because when it, it's a long story and yeah, there would be options probably, but I, I can tell you this, some of the options that would be afforded me or offered to me, well, I, I won't get into it, but let's just say that um, they would not be ideal by any stretch of the imagination. All right, praise God. But anyway, but there would be some, I'm sure, options. Praise God. All right, and um, and we learn, you know, we learn to go through adjustments. We adjust. But anyway, living in daytight compartments is very, very important. We n- must not. We must not allow ourselves to think about the things in the future that might happen. Don't do it. Now, you might say, well, Johnny this and well, Johnny that and this, that and the other thing, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. And I'm going to tell you, you can take my advice now or you can take it later. But I'm going to – this is stuff that I have written down because my journey was intolerable. I mean, literally. I mean, my, I'm not going to get into all of the details and I've I, and occasionally I let little bits and pieces of it sneak out to, to give testimony of victories in Jesus, hallelujah, but, um, but no, it, it, it's continuous and it's continuous for all of us, okay? The one difference for me right at this moment, which by the way may cancel out tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, I have no idea, we, none of us know, none of us know, but right at the moment I'm relatively stable in the sense that I'm in a place that I'm kind of like, I don't know, there's this, I'm just going to keep reading these, but there's this concept whereby you you sit down and you meditate, you close your eyes and you say to yourself, what is the absolute worst thing that could happen to me? What is the worst thing that could happen? And you really have to put an effort into it. Okay, you really got to think hard. Okay, and when you think hard about that worst, absolute worst thing that could happen to you, remember, always try as hard as you can to include our Heavenly Father, our eternity, where we're going, the big picture. Don't just dwell on the little stuff. 
because then you're doing yourself an injustice. All right. All right. So praise God. But when you're able to say, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, like, for example, when I think about things like, you know, if uh, all heck broke loose with my job, I couldn't for some weird reason was unable to replace it with something adequate. Uh, you know, I'm I could, you know, I joke around about, you know, uh, getting an RV. Well, you know what? That, there's a lot, a lot of cool stuff about that. I mean, I know with the gas fluctuation and all the other weird stuff that's going to be coming our way, uh, there's pros and cons associated with that as well. But really, when you think about it, how cool is it? Well, see, if you hate hiking and you hate the outdoors, then that might be a problem. But I don't. I love hiking. I love the outdoors. I love national parks. I love the mountains. I love it. And and I think to myself, you know, I'm sitting here like in this like supermax prison in this house right now, and I'm thinking to myself, what is it about this life that I even have any interest in maintaining? You know, really, when you snap out of your stupor and you realize how pathetic your life actually is, getting an RV and going somewhere in that thing is, doesn't sound so bad at all. The problem is we're so focused in our comfort that we can't even imagine how cool our lives might be if we make some key changes. See, that's, what, that's another problem is we get stuck in our ways. And when we're stuck, we're stuck. And we're just convinced in our minds that we are where we want to be. But yet the, the problem is you don't even know. You're just making an assumption that that's where you want to be because you haven't experienced the alternatives. I'm raising my hand. I am guilty as charged. Praise God. That's why I'm sharing this with you. And I wish my doggone phone would keep stop turning itself off to save the battery so I can read this stuff. Hallelujah. All right, kids, are you there? I want to make sure you guys are paying attention. That's right. By golly. All right, next one. Number two is see the funny side of everything and laugh about it. Now, I know that's a little bit hard sometimes because you got to go through the initial shock of whatever it is you're going through, right? But really, if you put your mind to it, I, I, I could give examples, but I would be it would I would be infringing on people's privacies, but I'm telling you folks, I'm at the hub. Imagine a hub and spoke configuration on a wheel of a bicycle, right? Because of the radio show, I'm kind of at the hub. And so all the spokes, not all of the spokes, but there's a group of the spokes, which I love. I adore it because it, it's what I live for. And my email is jbaptist777 at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Google Chat uh, at the same email, jbaptist777 at gmail.com. Com. Reach out to me if you feel like it. I love it. I love talking to the listeners. I love helping people. All right, praise Jesus, because that's what I live for. I mean, if I if I if I could have won the Powerball, all I would do is serve the Lord. I'd do a radio show every single day. All right, praise Jesus. But unfortunately, I gotta you know, keep the can keep the electricity on, right? But anyway, see the funny side of everything. Do the best that you can. Now, you may not be able to do it at first. But keep on trying. Look at it, because I guarantee you there's funny things, even amidst the, you know, trials and tribulations that, that are, you know, that try to, you know, t take the forefront of our mind and really put us in a bad way. All right, number three is keep busy. A worried person or one who's anxious, a worried person must lose themselves in action. So it's when we are not busy is when we become highly vulnerable uh, to all, all, our minds. Swirly, whirly, whirly. Oh, I'm, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to me on this next Thursday? I'm going to be in so much trouble. Oh, Lord, I'm not going to be able to do this. And, and we start, we get outside of that daytight compartment, 
and we don't keep ourselves busy enough. All right, and then, you know, trouble, red alert, red alert. Another one, number four, it says, what's the worst thing that could happen, and what are the odds that it would actually happen? There's an old saying that says, goes something like this, my life is full of cataclysms, of which... <laughs> of which neither none of of which have happened all right so we all are guilty of that all right um number five of course is do the best you can duh uh number six is count your blessings and forget your troubles in other words stay focused on the things that you're blessed by stay focused on the fact that you had a drink of water that you have food that you have options because we a lot of us have options but we're so focused on what we think we're going to lose that we think in our heads is important but it isn't that's the problem. Until it's taken away, we don't really realize how unimportant it actually was. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, another one, number seven, says become more interested in helping others. By the way, this one's real important. Become more interested in helping others because you will be blessed by doing so. This is biblical, 100% biblical, and you'll forget about your own problems. All right, praise God. Um, uh, and then this next subtitle is Complicated Worries. It says, if they are complex, write them down precisely about what you are worried about. Write down what you can do about it. So on the left, write down what it, I'm worried about, this. And then on the right side of the tablet, write down what are the options? What can you do about it? All right, number three, decide which is the best action to take and then execute the best action as soon as you possibly can. All right, and then there's some memory sayings that I like, like every day is a new life to a wise person. Every day is a new life to a wise person. Right, kids? Hallelujah. Also, the happy man or woman uh, says, happy the man or woman, okay, but happy the man and happy he alone, he who can call today his own. You like that, kids? It's kind of witty, huh? All right. All right. Okay. And then, of course, here's that other one I was just trying. I butchered her earlier. My life's been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. Right, kids? <laughs> That's true, really. And then um, here's one. Today is our most precious possession and our only sure possession. Wow. Today, that kind of fits into the daytight compartments thing, doesn't it? Praise God! And another, and here's one. I just, I, I, kind of smile and giggle at this one. Uh, I don't really think it's legit. I mean, as far as it actually happens like this, but it does make a point. Man makes plans, and God laughs. Okay, right, kids? We're sitting here figuring out what we're going to do tomorrow, you know, and the Bible tells us to say, Lord willing, because we don't know if we're going to make it through the rest of the radio show, do we, kids? <laughs> it's true. We're all sitting around worrying about what kind of cataclysm or horrible thing we're going to have to go through, and we might not even be alive for it. All right, true happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future. And how do you do that? With Jesus, um, and and you know it is it it it, it is it, it's not easy. It's challenging. We all go through it. I go th 
through plenty. Uh, and, um, you know, and we're, we're just, you know, uh, it, it's, it's all about learning. It's all about that fiery trial that is to try us. It's all about bringing us to a new place in our walk with the Lord. It's all about, uh, you know, divorcing and disconnecting the umbilical cord to earthly things that we don't really need. And we probably are not going to, you know, we don't know what the future holds for each of us. What we do know, praise Jesus, hallelujah, is that we are getting, I mean, when you think about it, if you go back, and this is just a little bit of common sense logic, if you go all the way back to when we started this radio show back in uh, roughly July of 2011, um, thinking that the rapture was going to happen like tomorrow and then the next day, and if it didn't happen, then we'd just pick another day, and, you know, there was all these rapture bubbles, rapture bubbles, rapture bubbles, rapture bubbles, you know, and, and of course, I would latch on to them because I wanted to go. I was so utterly focused on going home that I had lost track of why I was here in the first place, which is kind of a travesty um, and doesn't do a lot for your eternal landing spot, you know, and, and ruling and reigning with Jesus. And I, I had a lot to learn. I, I still have a lot to learn. We all have a lot to learn. All right. But we got to, you know, it, it, we're going to have to struggle our way through it. And, and we don't know how, how much longer, you know, how long is it going to be? That's why it is very, very important. Again, I, I cannot stress how unbelievably important it is to keep our eyes on the midterm elections that are going to be happening in two days from now on Tuesday. However, here's the problem. They are going to quadruple down. I like I like that term. I, I stole it from a guy uh, who was uh, visiting uh, as a guest on uh, Alex Jones's radio show, uh, and he he said, "I think they're going to double down and triple down and quadruple down on the fraud. I don't think they're going to allow the power to slip out of their hands." And I was listening to this guy ranting about this, and I thought to myself, "Yeah, no, I totally agree." Um, so uh, even though, you know, Tuesday's the day, that really isn't going to be it for us. Unfortunately, we're going to have to suffer through 2020 all over again. Uh, they're going to commit fraud the same way as they always have and always do. They've even got, um, you know, I forget how many states it was, but there's a, a significant number of United States states that are that have their um, uh, National Guard cyber uh, task force. They're, they got cyber hackers. Cyber hackers, and they um, they've got them called up, and they're actually watching the supposedly watching somehow uh, cyber activity uh, that's you know associated with the various polling stations and such like that. Now, you know, I really question how effective that will ultimately be in the long run uh, because uh, you know they're. These uh, the the attacks that are going down today are actually highly sophisticated, and it you know unless these guys are absolutely the best of the best, and I would be very surprised if they were all that good, and if they had the manpower and the technological uh, budgets to be able to appropriately you know put in the appropriate countermeasures and the staffing and all the other things that they need to have to be able to properly protect it, and it's only a small number really of states in comparison to how many polling places that are out there. So again. Uh, we don't know. All right, praise God. So, kids, real quick, what kind of tree fits in your hand? What kind of tree fits in your hand? A palm tree, right? Fits right in your hand, right in your palm. Come on. All right, that's cool. All right, because, I mean, come on. That, that's a winner. All right, kids, what kind of water cannot freeze? What kind of water cannot freeze? Hot water. <laughs> Kids, what do you think of that one? 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. That one kind of, nah, that's no good. That's no good. Sister Mary Lee, Sister Mary Lee, send some more jokes for the kids. Um, anyway, um, we're, we're starting to whittle our way through them. Why does a seagull fly over the sea? Because if it flew over the bay, it would be known as a bagel. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, kids? Kids, come on, snap out of it. Oh, you don't like the bagel. But yeah, I know. It's kind of lame, too. All right, we need some good jokes, everybody. I'm sending out a fleece. The kids are getting bored. Right, kids? All right, on, on that note, glory to Jesus. Oh, we're still here on Earth. Yo, man, this alien demon infested rock. Oh, boy. But anyway, let's go ahead and do the news. Hallelujah. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. <laughs> Game over. All right, praise God. Well, I was having a little bit of fun. I have to share this with you. This, you know, I mean, don't we? Uh, this may not be fun for you. You may not have this the sense of humor attributes, whatever. Uh, you know, because we all have different senses of humor. But I was having a really good time early, early, super early, like five o'clock in the morning, uh, maybe even earlier than that, uh, flipping through Twitter because um, Elon Musk is hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. I may not agree with all the stuff that, you know, he thinks, says, and does, and whatever the case is. But let me tell you something. That guy is funny. Um, So he tells everybody if they want to keep their little blue dot, which basically says that they have verified their identity so that if somebody tries to steal their identity by, you know, calling themselves a similar name or whatever, uh, that little blue dot validates that they are the real, you know, Donald Trumpo or whatever. So anyway, um, and so he says he's going to go ahead and start charging $8 for that little dot. And so everybody's complaining about the $8, especially AOC, and he's just tearing her up, which is hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> so Dan Rather, Dan Rather makes a comment, you know, kind of an off-the-cuff comment about, boy, Elon Musk, this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> And right below it, Elon Musk answers Dan Rather, and all he says is, $8. <laughs> so I was like, that's hilarious, you know, that he's just he's, he's ribbing people. He's ribbing people. Anybody who complains about the $8, it does, he doesn't matter. You know, to him, what does he care? Dan Rather, Queen of England, King of England, it doesn't matter to him. Uh, he's just like, $8, $8, $8, $8, you, you over there, $8, all of you, you know, a whole bunch of you. And then he comes up and he says, and you know what? I've been thinking about it. If you're woke and you're using woke pronouns, it's going to be $16 because you count as more than one person. Right, kids? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I just uh, I couldn't help it. I was just skimming down, looking at everybody's little comments and how he was jumping in there, putting him in their place. So it was pretty funny. But, um, you know, if you have such a, if, if, you know, if that tickles your, your sense of humor a little bit, and to me it does, you know, to see all these, you know, famous millionaire people out there getting their, a bee in their bonnet over an $8 a month charge, <laughs> and Musk is just absolutely slamming them, and it's just so funny. Anyway, so, oh, 
I got an uh, important notification here. Uh, this just came in uh, from Sister Mary Lee, um, and I want to go ahead and let you all know about it. And it is Holiday Sale. Aldi, which is available with Instant Cart, has whole turkeys for sale. A dollar seven a pound with a limit of two, or twelve to sixteen pounds, sixteen to twenty-two pounds average for twelve dollars and eighty-four for the smaller turkeys, and as high as twenty dollars and seventy-three cents for the larger turkeys. Now, of course, me, I, I want a twenty-four pounder if I can get one, because you know you can't have enough turkey if you know what I'm saying, right, kids? Not enough turkey. All right, praise God. Now, I don't know how many of you heard. I don't know if this is going to go off very well over the radio, but I'm going to play it anyway. I just want you to be aware of it if you're not. Okay, and there is this. Uh, so the Babylon Bee, which is a uh, spoof place, you know, they, they you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, they make fun of things. Um, they put together an advertisement. It actually appears to be a Democratic, um, you know, national convention advertisement for the Dems. When you start watching it, and you're like, oh, and, and, you, and it captures your attention, but then it just gets so funny. Now, the hard part is there are some visuals in here that if you don't see the visual, visuals, you will not, um, it may not be as funny. I don't know if I can, you know, read some of the headlines and make it more interesting. So anyway, it, it may be, it may not work out really well, but I'm going to give it a try anyway. So hold on a second. Let me go ahead and double click on this. All right, here it comes, and here we go. Was saved. H hold on a second. I got to get it to then, the very beginning. Then, 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 America was saved. Then, All right, America fine. was saved. Embraced by the loving arms of our new president, Joe Biden. Biden has brought back kindness and decorum. No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. Biden is a voice of clarity. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in uh, a voice of reason. <laughs> he is the smartest man I know. He's got this like half-naked guy standing here. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. 700 billion and a trillion, 300 million billion dollars. Under his leadership, the Biden administration has brought us concerns safety. rising it has inside the White House. Economic prosperity. It has empowered the next generation. You and should now, see the headlines. Now he's falling down the, the stairs of Air Force One. Continues for another two years. <laughs> he gets up. This he falls day. again. He gets up. Vote he falls for again. whoever the Biden administration is asking you to vote for. They know what's best. Together, we will ensure things will continue to go the way they've been going, forever and ever. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this, this, uh, wait, wait, who? You know the thing. There's a anyway, uh, the people on Twitter, <laughs> it was all over the place, and people were just cracking up like crazy. And me too. And I sent it to a handful of people, and they all laughed. Uh, it is absolutely a, a work of art, praise God, the way that they compiled all of this stuff. So anyway, um, I wanted to share that with you. Also, I wanted to share with you real quick, uh, this is uh, Carrie Lake, and she's running for, um, I believe, the governor or something? No, 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 Senate race uh, for uh, Arizona, which is going to be a big upset, and, the, and they are, she's way, way, way ahead in the polls. But of course, we have to wait. I didn't mention this before, but I'm going to uh, lean on it now. 
it's not about Tuesday. It's more about like Friday because there's still lots and lots of opportunities for them to stuff ballots and commit fraud, and they're going to do it. They're going to do it. You can bet your sweet bippy they're going to do it. All right. Plus, they're going to be adding in Dominion uh, voting system fraud on top of it all. All right. So um, we're not going to really know anything until probably Friday. And if they do what I think they're going to do, wow, I I, I can't even imagine. So anyway, all that being said. I don't really have any skin in the game. Okay, to me, I'm, you know, my Bible says that I my citizenship is in heaven. And I, that's where I want to stay. That's where I want my mind and my heart and my spirit to reside in the secret place of the most high. And, you know, and if the Lord sees fit to allow me to be comfortable and not freezing and and, you know, uh hunting for a half-eaten subway sub in, <laughs> in a dumpster somewhere, well, praise God. And we should be thanking God for every drink of water. We should be thanking God for every bite of food because, well, we don't know what's coming in the near future. But anyway, let's listen to this little uh, audio bite from Carrie Lake. It's kind of alarming when you think about it that she should even have to say this. So let's go ahead and click on this. Here we go. And there. Okay, I got to hit the... Concern today, I'm going to be honest, when I saw Hillary Clinton bad-mouthing me, and she looked, she looked angry and actually scared and, and uh, just uh, completely unrelated. I want you to know, just in case you're wondering, I'm in perfect health, my brakes on my car are in good shape, and I'm not suicidal, and we're going to win this thing on Tuesday. <laughs> the very fact that she, you know, she wasn't, that wasn't said tongue-in-cheek, by the way. Okay, you might, you know, a lot of people watching her might say, ah, oh, she's just, you know, kind of joking, tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. But no, she was making a proclamation because she knows. Why would somebody say that? Because the Clintons are murderers, that's why. <laughs> you know? So really, when you look at the underlying reason behind her having to say something such as that, uh, it's really kind of creepy. But, you know, like Glenn Beck says, nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Which is very true. All right, praise God. And then another thing I spotted on Twitter <laughs> this morning, I couldn't know. I couldn't know myself. Um, the guy, this guy, I don't even know who he is, uh, is Kevin Sorbo or something like that. And he says, well, I called my stockbroker this morning and asked him what I should be buying. And the stockbroker said, canned goods and ammunition. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, kids, kids, that's just, now that for us is tongue-in-cheek. You understand, we don't do that kind of stuff, right? Okay? Ah, there you go. That's right. We don't, it's okay for the foolish virgins, but not for the wise ones, right? Okay. That's not even okay for the foolish ones either. But anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to play this other little ditty real quick. Um, uh you just got to hear it. I, you, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. Listen to this. Now, by the way, it's entitled Four Artificial Intelligent Robots Killed 29 Scientists at a Laboratory in Japan. Did you hear that? Okay. Let's see if I can bring it up. Here we go. It's just a short little ditty. Top robotics company in Japan this week. Four robots being developed for military applications killed... 29 humans in the lab. And they did it by shooting what he called metal bullets. I didn't know there was any other kind. 
The scariest part is that lab workers deactivated two of the robots, took apart the third, but the fourth robot began restoring itself and somehow connected to an orbiting satellite to download information about how to rebuild itself even more strongly than before. And this, this next sentence, is a, this is a quote. I'm, I'm writing this down. I've been doing this for years. This is serious shit, Linda, but you're never going to hear about this. In- I, I, I don't know why I cut off early, but basically um, we all know uh, that it's talking about. You're never going to hear about it in mainstream media, of course. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And so um, if you think about it, really, that the fact that that was even appeared on Twitter um, is fascinating. And I thought it was interesting that uh, you can kind of tell who's following who. And Elon Musk was actually following this woman. So he wanted to hear what she had to say. So anyway, actually, it, it, it's a little more complicated than that. But still, nevertheless, he's he's definitely an a, 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 he he gets it. Okay. Now I get the Starlink thing and all that stuff and the possibilities of, of how evil forces can use it and uh, all, you know the Neuralink stuff. I get it. Okay, I get it. Um, to suggest that he doesn't, I don't know. You know, I don't trust anybody except Jesus. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. So the next one up is as follows. Here we go. End of the American Dream. This is from Michael Snyder's website, and we're going to try to get him, if he can make it, uh, to join us on the program to talk about this. But um, this particular headline, if you go to End of the American Dream, you can sorry, you can um, uh, find the headline which says three more major wars that could suddenly erupt in 2023. And really where he's heading with this is, um, you know, an explosion of the events taking place now in the Ukraine combined with the Israel threat to take out the Fordow facility combined with uh, China's threat to, uh, you know, to take over Taiwan combined with the possibility of North Korea, you know, going to full war status with South Korea and the United States. So, Again, uh, and he he breaks it down with awesome intelligence and just, you know, uh, ferrets out all the details and makes a strong argument for, uh, you know, any one of these or all of these to start happening, you know, in a moment's notice pretty much. So praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I think that's something that we all need to be aware of and, and keep in the forefront of our, of our hearts, because as these things start to happen now, they might it might drag on forever like it has been. Okay, that's the one thing we can count on. Things might drag on slow. Okay, so it's best for us to anticipate that things will drag on slow. Now, again, I will say this again and again and again. I'm happy to eat crow. I'm happy to eat crow. But my prediction is they're going to defraud it. It's going to be massive fraud. And they're going – and I don't, I don't think it's going to be the outcome that most – Uh, Republicans and uh, evangelical Christians believe it's going to be. All right. In fact, I think it's going to be real super bad fraud. So we'll have to wait and see if I'm right. And if I have to eat crows, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I got no problem with that. Do you kids? You you guys like those crows, don't you? Isn't it cool how they like stick to your teeth and you got to like just to eat like two of them. It takes like 15 minutes. That's pretty fun, huh? (laughs) All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. 
Jerusalem Post reports total blackout in Kherson. The entire city is now without power. And by the way, they're getting uh, reports uh, that they're getting ready to take out 100% of the power also in Kiev. So, um, uh, you know, any of the nonsense that you're hearing on the uh, out of the Western sources is exactly that. It's nonsense. Uh, so anyway, uh, what does this all mean? We don't really know. Um, we really just don't know. Um, all I know is I have sitting across the room from me my 1972 uh, 33 and a half uh, LP vinyl uh, that um, you know that I purchased, uh, I guess from a television ad. You know, dial one eight hundred blah 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 and buy this. But it was uh, Jack Van Impe, uh, and it's entitled "The Coming War." With Russia, I think it's incredibly prophetic. Praise God, thank you, Jesus. All right, next one up. All right, 100-year-old Panamanian community is to move to the mainland as the sea levels are rising over the top of their island. And it goes on and says the 1,200 inhabitants of the island of Gardi uh, uh, Sugdub, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, are relocating to the mainland of Panama in 2023 as their land is becoming overtaken with a rising Caribbean Sea. Of course, so anyway, we all know what's causing it. Sign of the Son of Man, Matthew twenty four twenty nine. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah the Destroyer. I think it's Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 5, or something like that. Praise God. It's in there. Uh, just you know, read chapter 4, 5. Just look for the Destroyer of Nations. There you go. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Next one up. Ah, here it is, the report. Okay. National Guard cybersecurity units are activated in only 14 states of the 50. So only 14 of them are doing it. That's not real good coverage. Uh, but anyway, they're saying uh, these 14 include battleground states, Arizona, Iowa, Pennsylvania, Colorado. You know, So, again, at the end of the day, what does it mean? I, I just don't. I just don't see it changing anything. You know, again, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. You know, and and here's the thing. <clears throat> you could say to yourself, well, from my earthly position, I don't like the way things are going right now. I I dislike all of the changes that have occurred in the last couple of years, et cetera, et cetera. And you would be, um, you boy, would you have a lot of friends that would be agreeing with you. But again, if the Republicans do take control of the Congress and they start to reverse all of the evil things that uh, the Antichrist and his uh, geriatric cohort, uh, shape-shifting entity Biden, uh, have instituted, you know, in concert with the wishes of the Blue Bloods, the ruling elite class of the WEF, etc., um, then what's it going to do? It's going to slow down the inevitable. Slowing down the inevitable will do something good for our Heavenly Father, and that is give more time for those who are not quite awake and aware to come around and say, wait a minute, this is really looking very biblical. So anybody who hasn't put two and two together and said, wow, this is, this is right out of the Bible, um, you know, there's so many gazillions of people out there that need to be woken up, and that would be an act of mercy from our Heavenly Father. But for us, who are anxiously awaiting the transformation of our bodies and stand before Jesus and be like he is, 
All right. Well, then, unfortunately for us, it will, you know, there's, it, it, there, it's always, a, you know, for every action, there's a reaction, right? And unfortunately for us, it will, it will slow down the amount of time that we have to spend on this alien demon infested rock. All right. Because, you know, um, because all this really bad stuff has to be instituted in order for the beast government of Revelation chapter 13 to be set up. Okay. In order for, you know, Obama to be, have Satan incarnate into him and take power over the world as some kind of fearer and then start killing people by the gazillions, which is, it's, and don't even get me going on the whole alien invasion thing and how that all intermingles together with it. Um, it is not going to be a fun time on the earth. That's, let's put it, <laughs> you don't want to be here. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Italian, pro, Italian protesters demand an end to arms supplies for the Ukraine. By the way, it's not just Italian. There are a number of different European Union uh, countries that are starting to go to the streets. Uh, some of them have already been in the streets, and the crowds are getting bigger and bigger. Um, and there's even some leaders in some of the European Union uh, uh, countries that um, are publicly coming out and saying, you know, this is bunk. Okay, and <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're just, you know, they, they realize how absolutely insane uh, they're following along with hegemonic um the dictatorship of the United States of Babylon the Great. They're waking up to it. And, um, you know, now some of them, they want to be invited. You know, if you know uh, the movie 2012 and you know how they had the uh, – they called them arcs, but they were really sophisticated ships that they had built into these, like, in the sides of these mountains, okay? And they all had, like, little – tickets or whatever, and their pager would go off and say, time to go, because the end of the world and all that. Well, th th these leaders in these different countries, they don't want to get cut off. That's the thing. They don't really understand what the end game is. If they understood what the end game is, they wouldn't want nothing to do with it. They just don't want to lose their ticket to the ark. Get it? All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Relentless drought kills hundreds of Kenyas, zebras, elephants, and wild beasts or wildebeest. And, um, and I wanted to bring this to your attention because when Sammy was on the show the other day, he was pointing out <clears throat> this very same thing, um, that there are just uh, – in, innumerable uh group of uh you know african uh you know elephants zebras and different types of uh african you know wild wildlife that are just mysteriously dropping dead and in some cases not so mysteriously because of the you know the magnitude of the drought problems that they're having in different parts and you know i, I can only imagine what it must be like to be in sammy's shoes and to physically see that because that's got to be very heartbreaking praise god so anyway and we're going to have you know Lots of heartbreaking stuff right around the corner. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Al Jazeera reports that dozens of ships carrying liquid natural gas are lingering around Europe's coast. Tankers are carrying a, co a combined worth of $2 billion in natural gas and slowly sailing around northwestern Europe and the Iberian Peninsula. More than 30 tankers are holding liquefied natural gas are idling just off of Europe's shoreline, and basically what it is is they're holding out, believe it or not, for higher market prices. So, yeah, Europe is really just getting crushed. Uh, and I won't go in and, you know, because the Russian liquid LNG was like pennies on the dollar. 
you know, and now they're, you know, they're, they're shipping it in from the evil empire. <laughs> Three guesses for which one that is, right? And then, uh, and now they're asking for many times a magnitude, a larger sum for it. And ultimately they can't afford it. Okay. But what do we care, right? We're just, you know, the, the evil despot that's running the world. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. WorldNet Daily reports, this is a disgrace. Biden gets urged to shut down secret Chinese police station in New York City. All right. And then uh, I want to keep on going with these because I want to try to get the last couple of these out here and get uh, Brother Gary on here as quick as possible. But the next one up. Kiev is preparing to evacuate 3 million people. And this is because Russia has let them know in advance that we are going to take out your power in its entirety. Okay. See, they've been knocking out 30%, 40% of the power here, there, and everywhere, and all that kind of thing. But now they're turning up the volume and they're getting ready, I believe, according to some reports uh, that I've been monitoring, that the 300,000 conscripts that they called up, they only got about – see, a lot of people think they got more troops in there than they do. But in reality, they only have about 50,000 troops that are in there holding the ground and taking more ground Okay, uh, as they take out command and control and power stations, et cetera, et cetera. But they still got uh, something like 280,000 conscripts, uh, troops that they're going to be bringing in for the big event. Okay, that's when they're going to, you know, basically mow over them like a, you know, quarry truck. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Greenhouse crops are under a threat amidst the European Union's energy crisis. So no surprise there. It's not. It's everything. I mean, it's everything. Now. I predicted that the uh, that the diesel fuel scare that um, many were warning the United States citizens about, even from Congress, that was supposedly to take place Monday of Thanksgiving week and ultimately shut down the United States and collapse the petrodollar. I mean, they literally went to that level uh, of the, of their description on what would happen if the diesel did run out. However, that's based upon the predication or the, the assumption that uh, there would be no additional supplies brought in. I just don't feel like Thanksgiving is going to be like that. Now, am I wrong? Do I need to eat crows? I don't know. I might have to eat a lot of crows, but my feeling is that it's not going to happen. Oh, you guys looking kind of yummy over there. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Next one up. Italian protesters demand end to arms supplies for the Ukraine. And by the way, it's been very publicly stated uh, by a number of uh, solid Republican candidates uh, uh, that when this is how they said it, I'm not saying this, this is how they said it. When they take control of Congress, there will be no more arms shipments to the Ukraine. We're pulling out completely. All right. So we'll see what happens. Again, my prediction is we're going to see a fraud event that makes 2020 look like, you know, an accident. Okay. But anyway, the next one up. Wall Street Journal opinion piece. It says the big one is coming and the United States military isn't prepared. And basically this is a well-written article regarding, uh, well, the reality that's associated with where we are today mili militarily. Okay. I mean, you know, think about the billions of dollars worth of equipment that was left for Afghanistan and, and in the hands of some pretty creepy, evil, bad people. All right. And then, uh, I mean, man, and just around and around and around it goes where it stops. Nobody knows. And that's, that's really, that's just the truth of the matter, right? The situation is 
dorked up. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. The Marjorie Taylor Greening of America. Now, what this is talking about is that she and her um, belief systems are gaining in popularity. Um, there are not less, but more of the candidates that uh, are maybe to become lawmakers. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, more and more of them are becoming more and more like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Okay, so uh, I think that's interesting, except I was disappointed to see uh, a quote in the article, supposedly from her, or I don't know, you know, again, uh, I'm, you know, it's just not clear, but it says, how many AR-15s do you think that Jesus would have had? And it says, Bobert asked a crowd of Christian campaign event uh, people in June. And he says, I would go with none, honestly, but her answer was, well, he didn't have enough to keep his government from killing him. I'm like, oh, man. So that's why Jesus said you got wise and foolish virgins. And I feel sorry for the foolish virgins because they are setting themselves up for one horrible time on this planet, let me tell you. Which, by the way, Gary's going to be telling us a little bit more about. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next one up. In existential mid midterm races, Christian prophets become Republican surrogates. Now, what does this mean? <clears throat> well, right here in the article, it, it says seven years late, prophecy is booming. And for Lance Wallenau, it goes on explain in July, Wallenau prayed over Marjorie Taylor Greene. Blah, 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 and this that, and the other thing. I'm here to tell you. I, I will let you know this that Mr. Wallenau uh, is the founding father of the Seven Mountains Mandate Group. And that's, uh, folks, this is going to be very interesting because if what I think is going to happen happens, can you imagine how many people that have been duped by the Seven Mountains Mandate folks and are swimming around in this fog thinking that Donald Trump is going to be beamed by Scotty into the Oval Office miraculously? A lot of people, this is an opportunity for our Heavenly Father to wake up a lot of people that are being deceived by this, you know, group. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray. I don't want to disparage any one of our fellow believers or brothers and sisters in Christ, but Father, please, in the name of Jesus, anything that you can do, we ask to help our fellow brothers and sisters wake up to the days that we are in right now and not be, not fall into a belief system uh, that would lead them to think that we were anywhere else but where we actually are. Father, awaken them in Jesus' name. We, we want our brothers and sisters to be ready, and unfortunately there's a lot of deception that is out there, and we pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Next one up. The cost to heat your home this winter could rise 30%. That's talking about the United States, and I don't even know what the numbers are going to be over in Europe, which is going to be really horrible. Next one up. Urgency to run. LGBT candidates make history in the United States midterms. Look at this. 678 openly. LGBTQ, LMNOP, QRSD, add the Chinese dictionary, cats, dogs, living together, mass hysteria are actually running. Can you believe it? 678? I'm not even... Oh, that just, oh. Anyway, next one up. Strange Sounds reports. Good or bad omen. Torrid fireball swarm forecast ahead of the full-blood lunar eclipse on election day. That sounds kind of spooky to me. What do you think it means? 
<laughs> Next one out. What are those mysterious New York towers looming over New York sidewalks? And boy, they put a picture of this thing. Let me tell you something, folks. I know what it is. It's mind control. Those are mind control towers. They're microwave towers. They use microwaves as the carrier, and then they inject 2 and 4 hertz MK ultra mind control uh, frequencies out into the public. I wish so bad that you could see this. Please type into your browser. It's from the New York Times, and the title is, What are those mysterious new towers looming over New York's sidewalks? Okay? I cannot more passionately recommend that you take a look at this because we're going to start seeing these popping up all over the place because what they're doing is they're preparing for the Great Tribulation because they know through Satan, their leader, that it is right around the corner. Next one up. Iran test launches a new satellite rocket. Um, and again, it's not a test launch. You can believe they're putting satellite satellite guided, uh, uh, you know, for, for guiding their missiles. Um, they know what time it is. Praise God. Next one up. All right, Russia and the Ukraine exchange heavy artillery fire. Evacuations continue in southern Kherson. Next one up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. North Korea reportedly launches four short-range ballistic missiles. The firing, the jets, the sorties, the missiles, the, oh, my gosh, the stuff that's going around in the Koreas right now is just absolutely unbelievable. Another headline, South Korea scrambles fighter jets. Um, You know, listen to this. South Korea scrambles fighter jets after detecting 180 North Korean warplanes. Okay, but hey, you know. And then another headline associated with that United States B 1B bombers are to join South Korea joint air drill. So, in the middle of that, we're sending over bigger bombers. <laughs> another headline. Praise God. I'm going to jump over with Gary. Biological war imminent. Russia identifies unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, over Ukrainian port city of Kherson, equipped with containers capable of spraying bioagents. All right. And then, uh, oh, I can't leave you without this. Klaus Schwab, our favorite Nazi, worldwide global elite Nazi, uh, is uh, now calling for a mass extinction event to usher in the Great Reset. And boy, does he have a wide range of mass extinction events that he can choose from. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and, and one more little bitty thing here. BB has returned... Um, Netanyahu has returned into power, and just so you know, for what it's worth, two Jewish rabbis had both said that Benjamin Netanyahu would be uh, the state of Israel's last prime minister prior to the Messianic age. Now, let's translate that. Prior to the rise of the Antichrist. Get it? I hope that you do. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's bring on Brother Gary Wayne. Here we go. Brother Gary, are you there? I am, and uh, happy to be back with you tonight. And uh, what a wonderful set of headlines again. I can't imagine if there was more than four sorrows in the birth pangs that how long that list would be continuously. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's heating up out there, isn't it? It it really is. And, um, you know, the, the turning point is the midterms. 
And that um, the reason why that's so significant is the you know I believe that Obama is the Antichrist. I never stopped believing it. My mother told me he was when I was ten years old. It was she, now she didn't know his name, but she described him perfectly. I, it's just my life, and I've in so that aside, because I believe that, and I won't stop believing it. Um, and I know he's manipulating Biden right now behind the scenes. So when you look at all the end times progress that's been made, Gary. Can you imagine all that progress being lost? All the evil things that they have done to Europe, to Australia, to New Zealand, to the United States, all the evil things that they have done to these people. Boy, is that a big list. The the Republicans will start tearing it all down. They'll start reversing it all. And if that occurs... It's going to slow down the end times progress. And I don't think they want to let go of their power, do you? So what's to stop them from doing a whole nother fraud event like they did in 2020? No, I, you know, I agree 100%. You know I, mean? I have a, a yeah, I have a brother that I talk to quite regularly and he is not nearly as sort of, you know, as far along in terms of what I see out there and what he sees out there. So I've been warning him that if the Democrats feel like they're not going to win the election, they could do martial law, they could do all sorts of fraud, they could do things we can't even imagine uh, to prevent them from taking over. And that language that they're using out there today that, you know, it's absolutely... If we weren't in, in, in the fig tree generation, these people would be arrested for lunacy. To sit there and say that to vote for Republican is the end of democracy is so illogical and contradictory in the whole statement. You, you should be in a straitjacket for saying it. But what they're doing is they're trying to set up a scenario where they're going to, you know, if they go through with it, they are going to... Uh, uses justification to save democracy, you know, the type of democracy that uh, Stalin believed in or what Xi believes in. Democracy for one party only and everything else is outlawed and all of your political uh, foes are being um, arrested and harassed and persecuted. Oh, we're already seeing that even before the election. <laughs> I, I, I forget what I'm saying, but you can only imagine on steroids what they would do with the martial law capability or use that as an excuse to squash the protest for an obviously rigged election that would rise out against that rigging of the election. Everything is teed up. For them to do that and thinking that they can get away with it when they've got complete reign over most of the media and pretty much all of the Internet and from around the world. So, yeah, they don't want to see anything that's going to push back against the the timetable that they want to move forward with quickly on. And they are out of patience, literally on that. And they're prepared to do whatever it takes. I think we'll see what happens um, to try and ensure that that doesn't happen. But whether or not they actually go through and over that edge, I guess we'll we'll know we'll know in a few days. But it's certainly been teed up that if they want to do it, I can't imagine how they could tee it up better than what they've set the table for right now. Oh, very well said. And we haven't really even seen 
you know, the capacity for fraud through the Dominion voting machines. Uh, and they're out there like crazy. And uh, so anyway, yeah. Um, and I, I've been I warned people, I said, you know, most of us are focusing on Tuesday, but we really won't have any idea how bad the fraud is until probably Friday. Uh, so yeah. who knows what's going to actually happen, you know, but it it anything yeah. could happen. I mean, really, yeah. anything could happen, yeah. but, you know. And those delays will come through all of the swing states for the most part because that's what happened yep. the last time. And uh, they need opportunity to figure out how much they're going to rig the voting to offset what's been in, and they need time to do that. It's not that they couldn't count those within six or eight hours maximum, even if it went overtime, but they also could have enough people out there to count them that night. So there's no reason to drag it out other than you want to do what two mathematicians said under oath after the uh, the last um, election is that it was um, virtually mathematical zero, like one in about four uh, trillion, uh, that when the polls went down and, and they stopped counting, that uh, the Democrats, Demo Democrats could win, but yet they did. And, and this was a mathematician from Harvard and Berkeley, and they did it under oath, um, you know, with uh, consequences of perjury for submitting the math on how impossible that would be. But yet that just gets totally ignored in the age of fake news. So I <laughs> know. It's unbelievable. It's like Glenn Beck says. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. <laughs> it's true. And then we sit around with like this deer in the headlights look on our face like, what happened? <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. it's crazy. It's going to be an interesting week, to say the least. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and turn the mic over to you. Thank you for joining us again. How the, de how the descendants of giants... Plan to enslave humankind. Thank you, Brother Gary. God bless you. Well, well, thank you. And for people who are looking for an update on my current book, I've done 84 chapters. I'm now into the uh, self-editing, so I'm on Chapter 22 of the editing process, and then I'll turn it over to the publishers for publishing. So it's, probably, it's not going to be out by the end of the year, but it should be out early next year, and I'm you know, one of the, I always think one of the things that really puts you as an author to a test is, is if you're doing a reread on it, do you find it interesting because <laughs> you wrote it and, you know, will you be bored with it or are you going to be really happy with how, what it says and how it sort of unfolds? And so I'm quite happy with where the book is at. And I think it's going to be um, a treat for people who want to dig deeper uh, biblically uh, than what's in the Genesis 6 conspiracy and you know, one of the things I didn't want to do was be redundant in this book. So I'm giving, for the most part, all new material. And uh, it's amazing how much information is in that book. So look for that for next year. Tonight's chapter is chapter 35 of, and it's called Curse of the Amalekites. And this is a chapter that transitions the book from the time of the Exodus in Section 3 and the conquest of the covenant land and all the Raphaim wars we talked about in previous shows and into the time of King Saul and into the time of King David, where for people who have not been taught the details of the language that is in the Bible uh, through their churches, those wars transition into the time of David. And of course, Goliath is a classic example 
of that, but it is the tip of the iceberg. So chapter 35 is called Curse of the Amalekites. And it's that sort of transition chapter. And then chapter 36, we'll go into King Saul and his reign, his actual war against the Amalekites. And I think it's such an appropriate chapter because it, it, it is one of those chapters that has a lot of end time implications into it. And it is a book that if you understand the concept that nothing is new under the sun and what was will be again, as the book of Ecclesiastics talks about, then you know that whatever's going to happen in the end time is going to be a replay of what we've seen over and over and over. Only this one will be on steroids. And so when we talk about the curse of the Amalekite, um, we need to understand that some of the main principles of this narrative is going to show up in the end time, like we'll see genocide again. And when I'm talking about the genocide, I'm talking about the attempted genocide against the people of Israel and the genocide of the Israeli people and the, and the visible tribes that we see today of Judah that, you know, have been persecuted since the time of the diaspora out of Rome. So this will come again, not only against Israel and, and Judah, and Israel will awaken in, in, in the end time as well in the last seven years, called by name. Uh, in preparation for uniting of the bride at the end of at the end of the book of Revelations, but Revelation 12 talks about uh, this persecution against the visible people of Judah and all the people who hold to the testimony of Jesus and to God in the end time. And so Satan and the uh, the dragon, Satan and this dragon Messiah will again bring about tribulation as well as will introduce the, the wrath of God that will bring about almost utter destruction uh, of the earth at the hands of the people who are ruling this world and the invisible ones that are ru- uh, ruling this world. And uh, I, I tend to sometimes mix in ruining there instead of saying ruling uh, because that's what they do with their rule. They ruin and they destroy the earth. They make it decay uh, just as the word corrupt goes back to uh, Hebrew shakath for decay and um, spoil, and that's how the earth was corrupted before the flood. We'll see that again, and we're seeing that with the development of the sciences. And the Amalekite religion is going to return. And the Amalekite attempt at taking over the Magiatic blessings is going to happen. You're going to see a counterfeit messiah that shows up, and many counterfeit messiahs, but one in particular is going to say he is the true messiah, and it has a lot to do with the Edomite-Amalekite connection. And so just sort of lay some end-time overtones that maybe people might want to take a little bit closer look at some of the things that happened in the past, and in particular the Amalekites and their narrative. And what's very, very interesting about the Amalekite people is that this was a nation um, that was very, very powerful at the time of the Exodus, at the time of Israel coming out of Egypt and looking to take on and uh, the people of the land of the covenant and possess that land. And we don't really have a secular record of the Amalekites today. 
it's kind of gone. And it's a nation that was pretty much erased from secular records. Uh, We have a biblical record of it because it's important for us to understand this history so we know what is going to, to, to happen in the end time. And Amalekite was a son of uh, Eliphaz um, and his mother, Timna. And uh, Eliphaz is the son of Esau, who's the brother of Jacob. And they were living in the land of Edom and Seir at the time. So one of the mysteries of biblical history is, is what happened to the Amalekites that would have had such an important role and did have at the time of the Exodus and before. So that's what chapter 35 kind of explores. And I lead into uh, the chapter um, with a verse that I'm going to read because it's just so appropriate to what we're kind of talking about today. And I start at verse 18 in the chapter, but it's actually, you know, it begins in, in Numbers 24:17, and it says, Um, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Seth. And it goes on to say, starting in verse 18, where I start the introduction to the chapter 35 in my book, it says, Edom will be conquered. Seir, his enemy, will be conquered. But Israel will will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. And I would note that, you know, Jesus is going to come out of Bozrah, Uh, and out of Edom at the time of Armageddon on his way to take on um, Antichrist, likely at at the uh, Mount of Hermon. Uh, That's another rabbit hole, but certainly in that Middle East area, I think, uh, and as my new book covers in detail, is that it should be understood at at around Mount Hermon where the Baalim had their Council of the Gods, as Psalms 82 talks about. And so it's so appropriate to understand some of this context that we're going to talk about tonight. And what's also interesting about that passage that I was just uh, reading is, is that as you go into verse 20, uh, it says, uh, then Balaam saw Amalek and spoke his message. Amalek was first among the nations, but their end will be utter destruction. So it is, has a, similar sort of tone and narrative to what happens in the end time and with Antichrist and with their Agag-like Antichrist figure that is talked about in an Antichrist figure in the book of Numbers as well as what Antichrist will do in the end time. So maybe as you read that and listen tonight, you keep some of these things in, in mind because I think it has as I say, a lot of important traits to it. So what's interesting about the Amalekites is this is a nation that is going to be uh, occupying parts of the land of the covenant. And they're in the southern part of the covenant land. uh, And in the Mount Seir and wilderness regions and the desert regions uh, of, of, of the south. And in terms of Amalek, his mother is of significant sort of interest uh, in terms of understanding the context of the story because Timna 
is the daughter of a seer who is a whoring, a Raphaim giant. And so you have this new dynasty with this pure blood, matriarchal bloodline of the dukes, the Eliphaz, the fairy bloodline. And uh, as you take dukes back to Hebrew, it's Aleph. So it's this fairy king that mixes into the dragon bloodline mythos that they keep track in their genealogies that is marrying and is a pure direct bloodline to start a new dynasty with Eliphaz, who's first scion of Esau. And so we have this new hybrid human dynasty uh, that has an instant, instant mythos around, around it. And this is the nation that is, has a bloodthirsty oath against the Israelites. And so powerful that this nation grew into that they were described in Numbers 24 as the first amongst nations. So they weren't just this indiscreet, small, little, warring sort of nation. This was perhaps one of the most powerful nations, as Josephus talked about them, of that period. They were a formidable foe. Not only were they a nation of hybrids, but they would have had Anakim and Avim and other giants supporting their armies and their power. And as Israel marched out of Egypt, Amalek and the people of Amalek marched out to attack Israel. And this was the Battle of Rephidim that's recorded in Exodus 17 that I covered in past shows. You may want to go back and, and, and listen to that after hearing this if you haven't heard the last show. Um, and Israel was the weakest of nations at that point in time, going up against the first amongst nations. They were a ragtag nation of slaves raised on polytheism under Egyptian beast empire rule. And they were not ready for war. They didn't have weapons. They didn't have any real capability to stand up against the, uh, the Amalekites. And that's kind of how Christians are going to be in, in the end time, I think, to, to a large degree, is we're almost going to be helpless, but we will have our faith in God. And so Amalek attacked Israel um, and they did it without any stated cause. But, of course, the Bible provides details that we need to be aware of that we will go into here. And they did it with such muster, such passion, such devotion that they wanted to utterly destroy Israel. They wanted to wipe Israel from the face of the earth. And, and we get that sort of understanding later on that I'll come back to again in Psalms 83.4, uh, where you have these hosts of nations, even into the times of David, that are taking this oath to wipe Israel from the face of the earth to be remembered no more. And it's that oath that is really, really sort of important to remember, just as those who take the mark of the beast, I think, will swear an oath as well. And just as we're told biblically not to take an oath, because we will be held accountable, just as God will hold Amalek 
and Edom accountable for their sins against Israel, not only in this period, but throughout Israel's history and throughout uh, history overall. You have this blood oath that's going to be simmering between the Edomites and descendants of Amalekites uh, as they wind out the Malachite side winds down their history with the curse that's going to be put on them, but the Edomites continue. In in Exodus seventeen, they're going up against this nation that is strong in sorcery without any weaponry. But as I said, just as Christians will have to rely on this, we will have to rely on faith in God and faith in Jesus. And so in a test of faith in this first war that they cannot avoid. The Israelites cannot avoid this. The Amalekites have been chasing them. They've been taken out, the stragglers, and now they're, they're ready to, to run amok and slaughter Israel from the face of the earth unless Israel stands up. So what God does is he has Aaron and her hold Moses' hands up in the air. Um, and the higher the hands, the better goes for Israel, and war goes all day. And so what God is doing is he's showing this sorcery of this polytheist religion cannot match God's power. This nation that has the best weaponry of the world is probably the strongest military nation on earth, cannot defeat a defenseless ragtag nation. And that's how powerful faith is, and that's how powerful faith can be if if, if we let it. Um, But in the end time, we're going to be asked at a certain point, if you're still here, that this will be time of the patience of the saints, because what will be must must take place. And so if this is the time, then it will take place. But that's the time for our testimony and our faith to, to take center stage as well. And so Amalek lost this battle badly, but that didn't stop their continuous transgenerational blood oath to wipe Israel from the face of the earth. In fact, they stirred up all of the other nations to war against Israel. And not just to war against Israel, but to ensure that they didn't take as possession the land of the covenant. And that that oath that they're sworn into all of these other nations that they should ally, which they do. They have these great alliances. Israel will have to take on in the time of Moses' battles. And then when Joshua leads them across the Jordan to take on the dragon's lair of giants. And this is the, the, the nation that is telling these other giants, to wipe Israel from the face of the earth as well. So you have this broad alliance, a sea of these Gentile nations dominated by giants and the bloodlines of the giants and their dynasties that are controlling the nations of the world to wipe out Israel. And it's an oath that will last generations. It is an oath that is still in place today. To the followers of these bloodlines and the followers of, of these mystical religions. And it is an oath that is brewed and sort of created in the history of Esau. 
this is not just a random attack. This has, you know, it's, as they say, if you want to follow what happens in the world, follow the money, follow the power that goes with the money. Well, here's the money trail that is the underpinning for what the nation of the Amalekites do. This is the descendant of Esau, brother of Jacob, who is the father of the of the 12 tribes of Israel, the 13 tribes of Israel, as, as, as you uh, add a splitting of the tribes in with Joseph and, and, and Manasseh. And Jacob loses as a firstborn son, as the East, as the Sion son, as the occult likes to uh, talk about, just as, as Sioning is such an important role in a, in a play on uh, Mount Sion or Mount Hermon, um, it's just part of the language, but understand that Jacob was the firstborn son, and he lost not only the the blessing from Isaac, inherited from Abraham, but his birthright and the Messianic promise. All of that was lost to to Jacob, and Jacob literally tricked. Uh, you know, Jacob into losing his his uh, birthrights and blessings and Magianic promise. So Esau and this this kind of uh, hatred it was almost gets into their DNA and it continues down the generations of of the Edomites and the and into the Amalekites. Um, just as we see that pop up in the time of Jesus, and you have the Edomite kings uh, on the throne of King Herod who want to kill the Messiah when he when he's coming about. That's not coincidence. That's that's just a sign of this DNA that's sort of continuing in terms of this blood oath. And so, what's at stake here for the Amalekites is that if Israel were to be wiped clean from the face of the earth, to be remembered no more, as Psalms 83 talks about, then they would inherit the blessings. They would inherit inherit the birthright, and they would inherit the promise of the, of the Messiah, and into a dragon, a house of dragon, a serpentine, seraphim-sponsored, uh, hybrid, human, angelic being race, into providing a scenario where you would have a bloodline of a royal, you would call them a royal sort of branch out of uh, Israel through Esau and into Amalek um, that would have a dragon antichrist position that would now have the rights to that earthly rule. And that's what's at stake. So hopefully I explain that uh, clear enough. Um, and that's why when you hear about the House of Dragon today, that's this ancient bloodline of giants. And uh, dragon imagery is very, very important. And so look for this dragon messiah. And, when, and one of the ways that we connect it to the dragon messiah is, is that Antichrist will receive the power from the dragon, as it's talked about in Revelation 13, and all the power of Satan and Second uh, Thessalonians. Thessalonians. Uh, so we know that that allegory is something that they're going to cling on to as well and use it to try and deceive Christians. But that's a different story. And so Esau uh, married also into Horim bloodlines. And Horim are 
We know they're giants because in Deuteronomy 2, it says the Horim are Rapha and the plural I am, um, plural is Raphaim. And so Esau married uh, Ada and Oholibama, who were, again, pure blood, Horim or Raphaim princesses. And so when you move into the Dukes of Edom that the Esau and the Edomites moved into, then you have that word Aleph, the fairy kingdoms, the elven kings, and of the, the Magianic bloodline that the Elbigensians, the Cathars, and Gnostics so believe in that is married into that scioning of bloodlines in part coming out of the Dukes of Edom. And that Esau and Amalek and Timna, where we are, they were all kings of that elven bloodline as Dukes. And the queens were the matriarchal fairy bloodline. So the matriarchal bloodline is fairy, and the patriarchal bloodline of the males is the dragon. That's part of that occult imagery that gets embedded into their coat of arms and into their genealogies. Um, Don't go too far into that because we have a limited time. And we could talk all night on that because that's a huge subject as it is. But So Amalek wanted to usurp Esau's lost blessings by wiping Israel from the face of the earth. And this is why uh, Judah and Israel have been under genocidal threat throughout their history. Israel's lost. They will awaken. But Judah has had to face this since the time of, uh, you know, alone since Israel was lost into history in about 721 BC with the beast empire of the Assyrians taking them off and dispersing them for violating uh, the covenant. And of course, Judah has violated the covenant too, which is why their hearts have been hardened until they're brought back in, uh, in the end time as the book of Romans talks about. And so the world uh, bloodlines that rule this world for the invisible ones, are wanting to continue to try and wipe uh, Christians in the New Covenant and the people of the Old Covenant out. And Antichrist is going to inherit this blood oath as part of his DNA and is going to swear people to an oath with the mark of the beast to not only wipe out Christians, which they will en masse for refusing the mark of the beast, just as... Babylon was doing that before in the tribulation of the first three and a half years and probably even three years before as you get tribulation in Revelation 2, 9 to 10 um, of, of 10 days or 10 years as you match that up with the timing of Daniel and the days that are numbered in both Daniel and Revelation. So this is what's going on with that, that war, but it continues uh, after the war. And so horrendous was this first war at Rephidim looked upon by God and by Israel and by Judah that God instructed that Israel never forget this. In, in 1 Samuel 15, 2-3 and Deuteronomy 25, 17-19 really sort of helps you understand how serious that was. So, and the reasons that are provided are Amalek showed no fear of God for their actions. They're acting like brute beasts, 
and were and would be slandering God, would be slandering Israel, would be slandering their destiny. And they felt secure that they could do this not only from their own strength, but backed by the gods of the pantheon that they worshipped. And so they would induct all of the blessings and the birthrights and the Messianic promise into this polytheist religion that employed sorcery en masse, which is why God used that scenario at Rephidim to defeat them the way that they did, to show the world that the gods of the pantheon can't help these nations when God makes a stand. And that will be the case at Armageddon as well. And so in Exodus 17:14, in the time of the battle of Rephidim, God instructs Israel to never forget, to remember always, and that when God gives Israel rest in the future generations from their enemies, that they are to blot the memory of the Amalekites from under heaven. And this is going to be something that is kept within the culture of Israel and be recited again in the time of King Saul. And it is fair justice if you want to look at it that way. So just as the Amalekites and the nations of the covenant land want to wipe Israel from the face of the earth, wipe their memory out from under heaven, that is the curse that then falls onto the Amalekites. An eye for an eye, equal justice. That is the curse that will happen to those at Armageddon. That is the curse that will probably happen again at the end of the millennium. Nothing is new under the sun. It continues and it continues all the way to the end of the millennium uh, that this is going to continue to, to, to play out. But we know how it ends, which is the good part. So in um, Deuteronomy 25, Israel again is told to remember Amalek of old and what they did. And when given rest from their enemies to block their memory, block the Amalek memory from under heaven. And then in, in the time of Saul in, in, in 15, two, two verse, uh, verse 2, verses 3, or verse 2 to 3, Saul is instructed and commanded by God and Samuel to punish Amalek for the crimes of the Exodus. This is the D-Day, but it's not to just attack them. His instructions are to utterly destroy them. That's the Hebrew word haram that I've talked about in shows past. That is a ritual punishment um, that is done with a, a lot of solemnity for incredibly evil uh, charges that are set against them for the evil that they did. And this is the same destruction that's and in the King James Version Bible, it clearly says over and over this utter destruction that was used by Joshua and Moses to destroy the kingdoms that were occupying the land of the covenant. And that, again, that's the Hebrew word haram. So it's the same language, except that the Amalekites are going to meet their destruction sooner than the utter destruction of all of the bloodline of of the angels 
um, that will arrive at that in the end time. There's an interesting verse in the book of Psalms um, that talks about this bloodline that is going to be uh, destroyed from and separated from humankind in the in the time of the end time. It's just it's perfect sort of matchup to uh, what this is talking about, and what the end time will will be talking about, and that Samuel or that uh, Saul is told to put to death all men, all women, all children and all the animals of the Amalekites. Utter destruction. Haram. And it's because the Amalekites are the most despicable nation who did harm to Israel. If you consider all the harm that had happened through Israel and Judah's history, the Amalekites were the most despised and the ones that were isolated for this kind of judgment. And so what happened in the Exodus would be the first charge that was set against the Amalekites. The second charge that would be uh, assessed against the Amalekites is for stirring up all the other nations to take on that blood oath. And and as uh, Josephus talked about, that they'd laid in wait to and that that Amalek had instructed the other nations to lay in wait to utterly destroy Israel at a later time, to prevent Israel from taking the land of the covenant. So again, what Amalek couldn't do when they went head to head, they wanted the other nations to do for them, all for the Amalek, gain of the dragon messiah promise that they would usurp and of all of the blessings of that went to uh jacob and all of the birthrights that went to jacob that they could retake that and that this oath not only continued in the time of the conquest but it would continue through the times of the judges not only with amalek who would it was described several times of working with other nations to war with Israel, but with all of the other nations that the Psalms 83 would list as well in terms of this oath to wipe Israel from the face of the earth. Edom, which is that greater nation than the Amalek. It's, it's, it's that group of people that were settled in the Seir region, just as Seir was the patriarch for the Horim uh, that settled in the Mount Seir area, likely named after him or after a fallen angel, because Seir goes back to the Hebrew word Seir, and Seir is a satyr or a goat god or a degraded fallen angel that's described in Isaiah 13 and 34. And so the other nations in there, including Edom, is Ammon, Moab, Amalek again, the Philistines, and Tyr, and also Assyria. And that they would continue to try and destroy Israel through the age of the judges and into the time of King Saul and into the time of King David as well 
so that when we understand the wars that are going on, it's a transgenerational war. And even though the giants would be moved out forcibly from the land of the covenant, those bloodlines continued into dynasties around the world. They're the dynasties of the beast empires, whether or not it is, you know, originally Egypt, whether or not it's Assyria, Persia, Greece, Rome, and the end time empire, and then Antichrist, which is the eighth empire, as Revelation 17 tells us. These are those bloodlines. This is the dynastic divine right to rule that they believe that they received from, from Mount Hermon. And so in the time of King Saul, he actually goes to war and defeats King Agag. And so that name Agag shows up again, just as Agag was a king of the Amalekites who had the arrogance to think he was like the coming Messiah of Jesus, as he's described uh, Messiah-like. That's that dragon Messiah that goes back into history, just as the spirit of the Antichrist has been with us for a very long period of time, and it remains with us, always looking for that opportunity to bring that Antichrist figure to power before the ordained time, because that's the ultimate thing that they would love to do, is to try and discredit God, but of course they cannot. And so King Saul does defeat King Agag, but he doesn't kill everybody. He doesn't do what God specifically instructed him to do. And as the, as we covered in, I think in the last show and the show before, as in the covenant of kingship, to continue this war as part of the covenant requirements, he does not follow the letter. And so Samuel is the one who actually kills King Agag. And that Saul, because of this, is going to lose his hold on the throne, and it's going to be transferred over to King David. And King David is going to have to take up the cause. And King David is introduced to the giant wars at a very young age because he's the one who has to take on Goliath at the time, as he's still a teenager, at the time of of King Saul, who's still king over there, and he's the one who's going to actually kill Goliath and, and take his head. And then he's going to take on all of the nations, including the Amalekites, doing a cleanup operation on the Amalekites in the south, and then also Amalekites that also have a set of people or set of a civilization, um, towns and, and city-states that are more towards the, the eastern part of the Covenant land and across the, the Jordan River. So he cleans that up as well. And so you have what you think is the complete sort of destruction of Amalek in the time of David. And we actually get told David completely destroys the, completely destroys the Amalekite people. But seemingly a remnant does survive because in the time of Esther, in the time of Judah in exile in Babylon, you have another connection to the Amalekites with Haman the Agagite. And an Agagite is, as it's defined by its original definition and title, is an Amalekite by definition. And the Agagite is the title of kingship for the Amalekite bloodline. And we get this Haman who is sitting as the most important prince 
of the council of kings that around the Persian king of that time is how highly that bloodline and the Ella bloodline, the Dukes of Edom, is still honored at that time with the Persian kings, who, without coincidence, will take their bloodlines back to the Aryans. But that's another uh, story. And a direct bloodline, as they believe that they were uh, uh, an Aryan bloodline, and they had different colors, like they had black hair and big black, bushy black beards versus the blonde and red hair and, and pale skin. Um, so anyways, you have the uh, Haman the Agagite in the time of Esther. He is conspiring to wipe Israel from the face of the earth. And of course, Israel does survive that. Um, and so charge three is this continuation of the oath and this continuation to have other people to uh, line up to try and destroy Israel. Unfortunately, it does continue until the times of even, I mean, you even have in the time of World War II, you have the Holocaust that is waged against uh, God's uh, people. And this is uh, a reflection what happens in World War II with Hitler as an Antichrist type figure. It is a reflection of what is to come in what they would call on the occult side Nostradamus's third Antichrist figure that comes in the end time, their dragon Messiah. So genocide against Israel who awakens genocide against visible Judah and genocide against Christians who hold the testimony of Jesus is back on the table with this oath that was taken by the people of Amalek back in the time of the Exodus. And so understanding what has happened in prehistory can shed a lot of things as to what we can expect in the end times. So when Antichrist presents his pedigree, he will present in typical, I think, this is just my uh, my deducing and speculation, I think he will present a bloodline uh, that is going to be so ennobled and so overflowing with dragon bloodlines and it will also have false bloodlines that they will put in that will go back to Jesus and Mary Magdalene through their third son, as the mythos goes. I don't believe this. This is what they believe, and what's important is what they do with their belief, that Josephus married into the Camelot dynasties, and then a few generations down the road, you have a female named Aragon, of the bloodline of Josephes that was signed into the Camelot dynasties. Aragon, a daughter, will intermarry with Aminabad of the Merovingians to start their noble bloodlines. And this is the bloodlines. Um, we don't have time to go through that complete history of, of, of the bloodlines, but that is the scioning in of the bloodline of Jesus and Mary Magdalene to increase the pedigree. It is also got a scioning in uh, Benjamites for the Saul bloodline and the rights of the king of Jerusalem title. And it also has 
scioning in of King David, uh, all through different sort of intermarriage that they will produce for their false genealogies um, in, in, in the end time for the pedigree of Antichrist. And this is part of the mythos that they're going to create about Antichrist just as he's going to fake a resurrection as he receives a mortal head wound that's recorded in Revelation 13. And he's going to take credit for an Armageddon kind of war to counterfeit Jesus coming back at the true Armageddon when he defeats Antichrist. So he's going to have a war that is so convincing, so large, that it will fool even the elect that this must be the dragon Messiah. And he will usurp and make a false claim to, probably through his pedigree, again, his bloodline, that he is the rightful inheritor of the Magianic blessings, the, the standard blessings, and the birthright. And because he has the bloodlines of the Merovingians and the kings of Jerusalem who take their bloodlines back to um, the Merovingians, the rightful king of Jerusalem that he will accept as his title at the abomination and that comes through and I've talked about this in the past through Joshua providing Jerusalem to the Benjamites and that's why that Benjamite um, Sion is so important to understand as well so all of this will come to full head in the end time and it will help provide some well how about that he dropped Gary dropped just as he was wrapping up the program. I wonder if he's going to call back in and still uh, wrap it up. I know, I know he he's very prompt. So um, I saw the clock ticking down to the nine o'clock hour, and um, and uh, I thought to myself, well, he's obviously wrapping up his uh, his teaching for tonight. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute, why has everything got quiet all of a sudden? <laughs> I'm like looking at the console and going. Oh no, caller blank 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 has dropped. So anyway, um yeah, it would be Gary's probably thinking to himself, ah, what the heck? <laughs> you know, I was six you know, I was only twenty seconds away from the show being over anyway, so I'm kinda thinking he's probably not gonna call back in. Um but anyway, um I will uh share with you just in case you're interested. Um and I'm very interested in his new book. Um but again, if you want to kinda keep up with things, read some of the summaries of the various uh chapters of the book, it is a fantastic book. It is absolutely second to none uh, and I say that because not only my opinion, but also the opinions of others who I've hooked up with the book um, and uh, I had one friend who was uh, well, he was naughty and he got incarcerated down at the local jail for a while and um, anyway, I got him the book and boy, he said that thing went around the <laughs> the jailhouse and just about everybody in the entire place had read the book from page you know from the beginning to the end and were absolutely blown away by it so again it's a genesis number six conspiracy.com again genesis number six conspiracy.com now if you were to type that in to duck duck go not google duck duck go um, uh, and you just typed in Genesis 6 Conspiracy, um, Gary Wayne, it pops up as like the second one, uh, second link down. So you'll be able to quickly find that. I'm double-checking to see, and just in case he did call back in, and I see that he didn't, which, of course, is what I would have done. So, again, um, also in today's uh, program, 
that's published on blogtalkradio.com forward slash tribulation dash now. Um, I, ha- I also put a link over to his website inside the actual description of the program as well for people in case you want to uh, uh, dig in. Um, also, uh, we got. I wanted to ask Gary if he had, you know, because he, he was. Um, he wasn't sure what the what what the final title was going to be of his new book, and I was I'm still I remain curious as to what that's going to be, so that we can you know ultimately start looking for it and keeping our eyes open for it, because uh, uh, it's definitely one that I want to have in my collection. But anyway, God bless you all. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, and I mean it, Father, in the name of Jesus, every single listener of this program, I don't care how far back we go, Father, 15 years, uh, you know, inclusive of the website articles and, you know, and the, and the 11, almost 12 years that we've been doing the program, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, please, Father, in Jesus' name, that you will forgive each of us of all of our sins, even those of which we are unaware that we have committed. Father, purify us, bring us to that place, whatever it takes, the fiery trials that are to try us, Father, bring us to the place that we need to be to be eligible, not just many are called, but few are chosen. We want to be part of that few that are chosen, part of that barley harvest, and uh, we want to be as productive and bless you and just, you know, glorify your name for every moment that we're on this earth, visiting the widows and, and the orphans and helping people out and touching people's lives through the love of our Lord Jesus and Father, we just pray that you will overflow each of our hearts with love for you and absolute adoration and intimacy with our Lord Jesus in the days that we have ahead of us, that we would fall into a, a special place of trust. And no matter how bumpy the roads get, we trust you, Father. Let us live the lives of, of, of uh, you know, of Job thirteen fifteen. though he slay me, yet I, we will trust you, Father. And we just love you. We thank you. And, and we just praise you for a great week ahead for every one of us, no matter how ugly it appears. Uh, don't look at it. Daytight compartments, folks. Keep your heart and mind focused on Jesus. Continue to pray no matter how, and praise no matter how difficult things get. And we're going to get through this next week. Uh, we'll see you Wednesday night. Uh, that'll be the day after the fraudulent election. Uh, <laughs> I say that with great authority, I guess. Um, uh, Wednesday night. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Lord willing, God bless you all.
I got this word on Saturday, um, June 15th of 2013. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. Better late than ever, praise God. 